Welcome to Exploring the Catechism of the Council of Trent in a Year. I'm Mark Langley. And today we are going to finish up our treatment of the first article of the Creed, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. We will focus finally on this last phrase, of all things visible and invisible. And as we always do, let us first read from the Catechism of the Council of Trent, these final two pages, and then um, reflect on it a little bit. So the Catechism says, Of all things visible and invisible. What we have said then of the creation of the universe is to be understood as conveyed by the word heaven and earth, and is thus briefly set forth by the prophet, Thine are the heavens, and thine is the earth, the world and the fullness thereof thou hast founded. Still more briefly, the fathers of the Council of Nicaea expressed this truth by adding in their creed these words, of all things visible and invisible. Whatever exists in the universe, whatever we confess to have been created by God, either falls under the senses and is included in the word visible, or is an object of mental perception and intelligence, and is expressed by the word invisible. We are not, however, to understand that God is in such wise the creator and maker of all things that his works, when once created and finished, could thereafter continue to exist unsupported by his omnipotence. For as all things derive existence from the creator's supreme power, wisdom, and goodness, so unless preserved continually by his providence and by the same power which produced them, they would instantly return into their nothingness. This the scriptures declare when they say, How could anything endure if thou wouldst not, or be preserved if not called by thee? Not only does God protect and govern all things by his providence, but he also by an internal power impels to motion and action whatever moves and acts, and this in such a manner that although he excludes not, he yet precedes the agency of secondary causes. For his invisible influence extends to all things, and as the wise man says, reaches from end to end mightily, and ordereth all things sweetly. This is the reason why the apostle, announcing to the Athenians, the God whom not knowing they adored, said, He is not far from every one of us, for in him we live and move and are. And finally, in the last paragraph in this section, Let so much suffice for the explanation of the first article of the Creed. It may not be superfluous, however, to add that creation is the common work of the three persons of the holy and undivided Trinity. Of the Father, whom according to the doctrine of the apostles we here declare to be creator of heaven and earth, of the Son, of whom the Scripture says, All things were made by him, and of the Holy Ghost, of whom it is written, The Spirit of God moved over the waters, and again by the word of the Lord the heavens were established, and all the power of them by the Spirit of his mouth. And so thus concludes the first um, article of the Creed, or, the, or rather the treatment of the Catechism of the Council of Trent, concerning that first article. And as we have seen before, every single page in this catechism is just uh, rich and profound uh, with allusions to scripture and um, many citations from the Psalms and from the Book of Wisdom, the Book of St. John and uh, Genesis 
the Acts of the Apostles, but it also touches um, explicitly on various articles in the Summa Theologica of St. Thomas Aquinas. Um, let's try to make three points about this text. And the first point is that um, I find it interesting that the Catechism treats of the angels whom I, you know, whom we all know are invisible. It doesn't include the treatment of the angels in this passage concerning of all things visible and invisible, or at least it doesn't treat of them explicitly, but rather it treated of the angels in the last section when we said he's the creator of heaven and earth. We made the point that sometimes the angels are called in sacred scripture by the word heavens, as in Psalm 19 when it says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shoes forth the work of his hands. And so we see that uh, when we say the heavens declare the glory of God, uh, some fathers or commentators say that that's an allusion to the angels, not just the celestial bodies and the planets and the stars, which also declare the glory of God, but the heavens uh, can refer to the angels as celestial spirits. So I find that very interesting. Um, but in this section, the Catechism talks about the invisible things as being the objects of mental perception and intelligence. And so uh, maybe I'm wrong about this, but I immediately start thinking about the things to which um, we all love to learn about, the things of of uh, the sacred sciences or philosophy, or even lowly things like the geometry of Euclid when we're talking about the invisible things that uh, we learn uh, when we study philosophy and all of the wonderful truths that God has made concerning being and matter and motion and all of these things. Um, so that might be, I don't think that's a stretch. I think that uh, I think that God is the creator of all those things, those invisible things. And uh, so, the, so it's nice to see that they get some, um, some focus in that phrase of the creed. Um, the second point that I found striking here is that the Catechism uh, makes a point to say that God doesn't just create things and leave them there, uh, like some kind of a transcendental God um, that... Uh, just creates something. He creates a world and then he walks away and lets it operate on its own. But rather, he preserves rules and moves all created things to their end. Uh, another way of saying that is that he governs them. And here, um, in the one of the footnotes, it steers us to the Summa Theologica in question 103, again in the first part of the Summa, uh, the question, uh, question 103 is about the, uh, the divine, the treatise on the divine government. And in the very first article, which is entitled, Whether the World is Governed by Anyone, St. Thomas says some things which I think are appropriate here. He starts as the reply, he says, Certain ancient philosophers denied the government of the world, saying that all things happen by chance. But such an opinion can be refuted as impossible in two ways. First, by observation of things themselves. For we observe that in nature things happen always or nearly always for the best. 
which would not be the case unless some sort of providence directed nature towards good as an end, which is to govern. There we see that uh, St. Thomas is defining what it means to govern, namely to direct, to direct things towards the good as their end. That, that is the definition of governing, directing things toward the good as to their end. And so he continues, Wherefore, the unfailing order we observe in things is a sign of their being governed. For instance, if we enter a well-ordered house, we gather therefrom the intention of him that put it in order, as Cicero says. And so we, we see anyone who studies nature and looks around, and we see that things are directed towards their good. And um, so the evidence of divine, or the evidence of governance is, um, is manifest. St. Thomas continues, Secondly, this is clear from a consideration of divine goodness, which, as we have said above, was the cause of the production of things in existence. For as it belongs to the best to produce the best, it is not fitting that the supreme goodness of God should produce things without giving them their perfection. Now a thing's ultimate perfection consists in the attainment of its end. Therefore it belongs to the divine goodness as it brought things into existence, so to lead them to their end, and this is to govern. And so we see that we see that uh, the, the uh, Catechism of the Council of Trent is telling us that God is not only the creator of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible, it's including in that article of faith the idea that God continues to govern things and bring them to their end. So um, that's a significant point. Uh, the second point that I think it touches on, among other things, is that in, the, in this very last paragraph, it talks about how the creation of the universe, the creation of the world, is the work of the three persons of the Trinity. And um, so that's significant as well. And there we see in a footnote that, um, the, that the, father, the authors of the Catechism appear to be directing us to question uh, 45 in the Summa, in the first part of the Summa, um, where St. Thomas asks in the sixth article whether to create is proper to any person. And St. Thomas says that although uh, the divine nature belongs to the three persons of the Trinity um, equally, they are all share in the essence of the divinity uh, in one God. And he says that, and this is, this is actually very interesting, he says in the reply, he says, to create is properly speaking to cause or produce the being of things. And as every agent produces its like, the principle of action can be considered from the effect of the action, for it must be fire that generates fire. And therefore, to create belongs to God according to his being, that is, his essence, which is common to the three persons. Hence, to create is not proper to any one person, but is common to the whole trinity. So that's sort of the first consideration there, that uh, creation belongs to the whole trinity. 
But nonetheless, uh, St. Thomas does point out that creation appears to belong to the whole Trinity in a certain order, because he continues, he says, Nevertheless, the divine persons, according to the nature of their procession, have a causality respecting the creation of things. For as was said above when treating of the knowledge and will of God, God is the cause of all things by his intellect and will, just as the craftsman is cause of the things made by his craft. Now the craftsman works through the word conceived in his mind and through the love of his will regarding some object. Hence also God the Father made the creature through his word, which is his Son, and through his love, which is the Holy Ghost. And so the processions of the persons are the type of the productions of creatures, inasmuch as they include the essential attributes, knowledge, and will. And so uh, this is a profound article, but I think um, it's worth noting that although we say that um, God Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, creation belongs to to the Trinity, um, the, to the whole Trinity. Nonetheless, there appears to be an order. Uh, there's an order in creation that has some that that has some likeness to the order of procession in the Trinity, um, and and that again is reflected in a in a reply. To the objection, he says, as the divine nature, although common to the three persons, still be still belongs to them in a kind of order, inasmuch as the Son receives the divine nature from the Father and the Holy Ghost from both, so also likewise the power of creation, whilst common to the three persons, belongs to them in a kind of order. So, I dare not explore that uh, much further um, right now, but, uh, but when the Catechism says that the creation is the work of the three persons, it, it references what St. Thomas is saying when it finishes by saying that, when it says that um, we here declare that God is the creator of heaven and earth, of the Son of whom the scripture says all things were made by him, and of the Holy Ghost of whom it is written, the Spirit of God moved over the waters. Um, the Catechism is referencing this idea that although creation belongs to the whole Trinity, nonetheless, there's a sort of order um, of creation in as it um, refers to the Trinity, and that each member of the Trinity appears to um, reflect and that the order of the of the craftsman, God is the divine craftsman. Um, he makes things through the Word, His Son, and He makes them through love, the Holy Spirit. So that's all very, that's all very uh, profound and deserves, as we said before, all of this deserves our frequent study and um, lots of reading and rereading. Uh, but we're we're touching on it right now, which is good. And um, so that's the end of the first article. And I hope that uh, you enjoyed that article and are looking forward to the Catechism of the Council of Trent's treatment of the second article. 
and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. So we will begin our discussion of the second article of the Creed as we advance slowly and uh, but with uh, perseverance through this wonderful text and uh, hopefully will increase our faith. I'm Mark Langley, and please join me next time as we explore the Catechism of the Council of Trent in a year. Thank you.